tuned in to Shift Happens on Kootenai Co-op Radio. My name is Jeff. And I'm Anna. And today we're going to be interviewing Penny Hodgson, who wrote the book Mind Files, Perception, Perspective, and Problems. Penny's talking about healing from abuse. Seems to be a common theme on our show for the last, well, long while. I guess we've just been too abused, haven't we, dear? Anyway... It was a really good interview, and I think you guys are going to enjoy it and be edified by it. And we're going to start out the first part of the show, the first hour or so, with Musica. And you'll be really edified by this one. Listening to Shift Happens on Kootenai Co-op Radio and on the World Wide Web. My name is Jeff. And I'm Anna. And today we are interviewing Penny Hodgson. Penny is a certified holistic therapeutic counselor and natural nutritionist who has written a book called Mind Files, a very interesting book about healing from early childhood traumas. Welcome, Penny. Hi, thank you for having me. So just so our listeners know a little bit of your background and why you found it necessary to heal, can you just give us a, an abridged version of uh, your childhood? Sure. So I was born um, in the middle 60s with a severe skeletal deformity called congenital bilateral hip dysplasia, which essentially means... I was born without hip sockets. Um, and they didn't, of course, back then know a whole lot about orthopedic conditions um, in the same way that they do now. So I walked with a crazy limp. They didn't find the deformity until I was about nine years old. Um, and uh, they didn't really know what to do with it <laughs> at the time either. So the first several surgeries that I had were um, kind of test runs to see if they could get rid of my pain and get me walking properly. So uh, throughout my entire childhood, I spent a lot of time in the hospital. I always felt like there was a purpose to that. I didn't know what it was. But the whole time I was in hospital, people um, would come. I felt like kind of the dear Abby of the hospital. All the other patients would come to me and look for direction and guidance. And so very early on, I knew that that was part of my purpose. I just didn't know what to do with it. So on top of that, um, I also, for several years, beginning when I was 10, uh, was molested by a family member. Um, and by the time I reached about 13, 14, I was really quite angry for a lot of various reasons. Um, and I refused to go anywhere near this family member after that. Um, I was also raped by the father of children that I was babysitting when I was 13. So when I looked at my early childhood with the surgeries and I really walked bad when I was a child. So I faced a lot of bullying and 
and the normal kind of kid things. Combined with the sexual molestation and the rape, I developed quite a chip on my shoulder. And that the perspectives that I developed during that time set the course for the next several decades. By the time that I realized I am so miserable and so angry, and if I don't do something about it, you know, either it's going to kill me or something. It, like, I just didn't want to live like that. So I started, um, I started delving into my own healing and tried to find the best way that I could to, to let go of all the resentment that I had carried for the majority of my life. And once I got through that process, I realized that was my life's journey and that I was to take what I had learned through that whole period and share it with others to hopefully help them heal trauma in their own lives. So I set out to write mind files um, from a perspective that all the things that I know that I needed to do, and hopefully I've accomplished that a kind of a step-by-step process of healing. Wow. So how did you find the strength? I mean, a lot of people go through childhood trauma and a lot of people out there are angry and, and dysfunctional, but they haven't been able to figure out how to get past that. How did you find the strength to do that? Well, you know, they always say, look for the diamond in the rough. And, you know, I think I developed a lot of tenacity. I had to after every surgery. So I started surgeries when I was 10 and it was either at the end of it, learn how to walk again and move forward or live in the wheelchair. And I just was having none of the wheelchair. So I I think that the tenacity that I had to develop to push myself through all of those surgeries, um, helped me to build that pattern of thought. That was one thing. And the other thing was, I don't know why and I can't explain it, but I always just knew things will work out. I just have to find the way. And I don't, I, I honestly can't tell you how I knew that, but I just knew. <laughs> I just had to find the right road and I just was too stubborn to not keep looking. I, I had similar experiences as a childhood, aside from the um, the congenital deformation or deformity deformation. And, uh, and I, I felt the same way that um, it just wasn't an option not to figure out how to get my way through it. But I have come to realize as I have lived my adult life and spoken to many women who have had experiences like ours, that not everyone does figure out how. Um, And I appreciate that you wrote the book because uh, that has been something that I felt was lacking. Uh, I remember when I first realized that I had been sexually abused as a child because I had blocked out my memories, but they started coming back at some point. And I uh, went to the library and took out every single book I could find on incest and sexual abuse. And uh, I was rather disheartened by how little evidence there was that people had the ability to get through the process. And one of the things that I realized that was really a necessary component 
was dealing with it on the spiritual level, not just on, you know, from the scientific psychological perspective. Um, Did you have the spiritual component as part of your healing? Uh, Absolutely. And the same, I think that was the biggest, I tried everything just from a scientific psychological (laughs) perspective and I got nowhere. Mm-hmm. Like I, well, I shouldn't say I got nowhere. I got some, I got part of the way, but I couldn't get past. And I think that's the missing link, or at least to me, it became very evident that without that spiritual component, um, I, I don't think that it's possible for your intellect alone to resolve uh, certain kinds of trauma. And, and I think that when your body has been violated, um, and especially by people that you believe to be the authority figures in your life, I think that it's a level of betrayal that your intellect would not be able to resolve alone, right? It needs help. And the only way through that is with divine intervention. And so I, yeah, I agree. I don't, I just don't think you can heal without the spiritual Mm -hmm. component. The other issue that I came up against when I was able to come to a place of forgiveness um, by really focusing on love and on, um, well, what I did was delve into the history of the people who were my abusers at least to the extent that I could and recognize that they were also abused. And in most cases, it really wasn't about me. It was, it was about them trying to get their power back in some way. And I happened to be there. But um, even though I got through that and I was able to forgive them and to heal my past, the difficulty that I had was in not projecting the past on, you know, as you say in your book, you take those past experiences, your mind stores them, you come into a new experience that has a similar kind of component and your, your mind immediately overlays the past and you are constantly expecting more abuse. And I realized that until I started dealing with this consciously, I was attracting abuse in my life because it was what I expected. And so I reached a point where I realized that I can forgive, but that doesn't stop the pattern from repeating. So how did you get to a place where you didn't think of yourself as a victim? Um, Geez, you know, I, I honestly never thought of myself as a victim. I just thought, um, Here's the thing. I think that whether our uh, personality leans towards a victim or a warrior, I always thought of myself as a warrior, right? That I can brave through anything and I can fight through anything and no one's going to take me down. (laughs) And I didn't realize that victim and warrior are just opposite sides of the same coin. They come, they're still using what I call the fear cabinet as a reference point. It's just how your personality manifests mm-hmm. um, what it thinks it's responding to. So I, 
didn't ever see myself as a victim. I saw myself as a warrior and I would fight these men and I would show them <laughs> that, you know, they couldn't control me. So, and in doing that, I invited every man in the, you know, in the vicinity to come and take me on, you know? So it, it, I think both ways are equally the same. It's just how our personality goes to. Right. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. I never really thought of it, but I, I also from an early age, I was constantly fighting injustices. You know, I, it's funny to think now, but I was always taking on some battle. (laughs) Well, because we want, we want to believe that we have control over these things, but we don't in one sense. And in another sense, we do. The control we actually have is completely different to what we think we have, if that makes sense. Because we can only control, yeah, because we can only control ourselves. We can't, and in controlling ourselves, that in turn then goes out into the universe. And that's how we control, you know, our space. And it's not even a control uh, situation, is it? You're actually letting go. Well, you're controlling your own energy. That's what I mean by that. So if we can turn our energy from anger and resentment and hurt, because regardless of whether you uh, choose a victim mentality or a warrior mentality, it's still a reaction and a consequence to the hurt that you've experienced. Yes. So if you can heal that hurt, then we change our energy, which in turn changes our experiences and they become more positive. We don't run into all the people who are eager to victimize us, you know, or try Mm -hmm. to control us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that really is the trick, isn't it? It's, it's, you know, step one is, is healing your past traumas. But then step two is putting out a different kind of energy so that you're not attracting future traumas. Exactly. Right. But you can't get to two without doing one. And that's, I think, um, when I started my healing journey, and, and like all of us, we just want it to be over. You just want it to be done. Okay, I'm tired now. I've recognized that, you know, this has all happened. And so I'm, let's do it now. I want to be over. And it just doesn't, it doesn't work that way. It's a no, process. I remember yeah. I set myself a time limit. <laughs> 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 and now I look back and think, oh yeah, that was. <laughs> I'll be healed by the end of the week or else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I probably did the same thing actually. Yeah. <laughs> so how long did it take you to get through the process? I mean, I mean, what I looked for a lot at the beginning was stories of people who successfully got through the process within a reasonable amount of time. Well, sadly, it wasn't a reasonable amount of time because I, um, <laughs> because my intellect just wouldn't allow for the spiritual part. I was very, um, And I think probably scientific to the point where not that I didn't have faith, I did. I just didn't realize the importance of it. And so it took, gee, you know, almost, almost 20 years. And, and I mean, in that time I made great improvements and then, 
you know, it really is three steps forward and two steps backward. That is how it works. But it's all really your willingness to be open to um, following where you're guided and getting in tune with that intuition because that helps to open the door to divine guidance. And if you can, you know, incorporate that, which is, I think, down the road, because honestly, I think when you're going through what I call the the filing cabinets of your mind, when you're starting to reassess the files in your fear cabinet, um, initially that is all intellect because that's part of the process, right? To, then you have to get to the part where you're ready to let go of the anger. That requires the next step, which is, you know, connecting to your own spirit and meditating on what happened. And so it's, um, if everybody has however long it takes them, because you have to be willing to open all those doors, you know. Mm-hmm. You had mentioned the phrase getting in tune. Right. And I think it would be good to take a musical break right now. And I'm going to play that exact song by The Who, Getting In Tune. And when it's done, we'll be back. All right, we're back. You're listening to Shift Happens on Kootenai Co-op Radio. My name is Jeff. And I'm Anna. And we are interviewing... Penny Hodgson. Mm-hmm. So welcome back, Penny. Oh, thank you again. So something occurred to me when you were talking about that uh that you went through your initial healing process intellectually. And right. strangely enough, even though I was very new to, um, I mean, I was probably not that long out of being an atheist. The first thing I did was yeah. turn to my spiritual world to heal because I didn't know how to address it intellectually. I, I didn't have my memories. I just had weird dreams coming up and things happening. Like um, I was in art school at the time. So, you know, I think art therapy is, is a very effective process. And I didn't realize I was entering into it when I started art school. But I uh, right. would try to sculpt something and the result would be instead of a woman, it would be a little girl cowering. And I kept thinking, why do I keep ending up with this image? I, 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 where is it coming from? I don't understand. And so I, um, I started meditating to try to decide or, or discover whether or not those things had a clue to something that really happened to me. And um, at the beginning, I really didn't, I didn't believe because I had actually made up a completely fictitious childhood. Right. Um, because it and, was too painful, right? Yeah, that was my survival mechanism. Uh, eventually, over the period of time of recovering memories, I remembered making the decision basically that I would not survive unless I forgot. And so I, um, I just put it away and I made up something else. And I lived with that until I was in my 30s, late 30s actually. And then things started popping up 
And, um, and my, because I had no way of, of accessing my memories intellectually, I immediately turned to all the other things that I knew how to do meditation and automatic writing and, and dream work and journaling because I, I just, I couldn't figure out how to get at them. And I didn't really want to go through psycho psychotherapy. Well, I, I tried going to a therapist, but I just found them annoying. And I tried, um, I spoke to a hypnotherapist cause I thought maybe I could just get hypnotized and drag it all out. But my intuition said, no, that would be too traumatic. That um, basically my psyche would deliver it up in the doses that I could handle. And that that is exactly how it came out. It was um, through meditation and dream work. And, and artistic in, expression, right? Yep. Yeah. And drawing. Right. So can you describe your path? Um, well... First, I just want to say in response to that is that God, however you understand him, um, speaks to us in ways that we can understand. And so all of us come into this world, I believe anyway, with, with certain gifts. And, you know, obviously you had an artistic gift. I came in with a musical gift. I couldn't draw a stick man to save my life, but I, you know, I played piano and I taught piano and I grew up in a very, um, the first part of my professional life was all music oriented. So um, I use that to help with my anger. Um, So I think that we're given ways to, as an outlet and creative expression can do both, help us hide or help us heal. Everything is about balance. And because, again, I grew up in the hospital, I was very science-oriented. So I studied psychology and philosophy for years and years, trying to find the answers. I also studied mythology. I mean, I looked everywhere in the, in, I mean, my whole library still to this day is tons and tons of books on um, how could I find the answer. And then one day... Uh, I, w- I must have been 40, I think. I came across Joseph Campbell. And then he put everything into, like I read his book, The Hero of 10,000 uh, Faces. And mm-hmm. and everything then, when I looked around my library, I was like, oh my God, that's exactly what I did. And so I think each of us has our own map to how we get to the answers. And for every person, it's slightly different. So I had the psychological background, but honestly, understanding a theory and being to, and being able to apply it to yourself, that's two different things. So I could point in the textbook and say, sure, I did this and check off, you know, 10 out of 10 codependent things. So what? It didn't, (laughs) you know, it didn't help me until I put all three together when I realized, and because of my physical condition, I had to pay attention to the physiological needs of my body. And so when, to me, when I think mind, body, spirit, it was drilled home to me that we are that sacred three 
And we have to find a way to balance all three of those things. If your physiological body is sick, you won't get your mind healthy. And if your mind is so sick you that you can't seem to formulate anything, eventually your physiological body will start to manifest disease. And if we ignore our spiritual, um, what is naturally our spiritual body, I call it, however you choose to participate in that, then the other two, everything is still warped and not equal in balance. So I think for me, it was that realization. You know, I didn't have the um, the physical problems from birth, but one thing that I did really, uh, that put all of that together for me, the whole connection between the emotional, spiritual, and physical, is that when I would recover a memory, uh, say of a, some violent um, event, I would then manifest that memory in my body. So say, say I got hit and I, in one, on one occasion, I almost had my neck broken and I, I could only turn my head in one direction for a good portion of my life. And after I recovered that memory, um, my neck went all stiff and I couldn't move anything. When I healed that memory, I could turn my head in the other direction for the first time in my life. And I mean, that was when I was like in my mid thirties, no mid forties by the time my, my neck released, but it was all connected to healing the emotional. And I really discovered how much we store those traumas in our body on a cellular level. It's not just in our memory. No, no. You you could say it is it's body memory. Right, exactly. Did you experience those kinds Absolutely. of things? <laughs> oh, yeah. I had, um, yeah, absolutely. I had cervical cancer um, that I think it was two things. I think that I carried a lot of shame with me from the molestation on the rape. Shame that, of course, wasn't necessarily mine. But, you know, when you're a child, you don't, all these things we interpret at the age that it happens. And so as a 10-year-old, what could I possibly have understood about what was happening? You know, today as an adult, when I look back and I work with children, you know, I think to myself, wow, you just have, there's no way. And I think that when you finally Mm -hmm. realize that for yourself, that, you know, we did the best that we could with what we had at the time, it's easier once you forgive yourself, it's then easier to extend that forgiveness outward. But I carried a lot of, um, and I probably still do. I mean, God knows that my body is still not um, as healthy as it could be. I just had another round of surgeries again just five years ago. And I'm older now (laughs) and I just do not heal as quickly. And my, you know, I'm sure that a lot of that is trapped, mm-hmm. uh, trapped anger too. Yeah, it's it's all yeah. these layers that that's something I noticed you had in your book also is because that for me was 
the hardest part. It was, wasn't so much letting go and forgiving. It was finding out that the trauma was there in the right. first place. I had it so deeply buried. So what, what methods do you use to uncover where the traumas are that need to be worked on? Well, I mean, it is, um, first of all, I think it's just trying to go through and just ask the questions. So in the book, I give a series of exercises that you can do. Um, journaling, I think, is, it, 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 everything is about questioning yourself. So if we can say to ourselves, well, why do I really believe that? Why do I get so angry every time I see a news report about, you know, child pornography or, you know, a flasher in the park or whatever, right? Because I know I did until... Or an orange-headed president? Or that. I mean, we have to see what is it really in my filing cabinets that's triggering me to that emotion, that negative emotion. Why am I not able to um, accept things as they are with that situation? So until I understood, I mean, now I feel sad, of course, because who wouldn't when you see a news report, you know, 40 people arrested for child pornography, of course I feel sad, but the anger isn't there. And I think there's a difference between true compassion and genuine compassion and empathy and what we think is compassion and empathy that's disguised as anger and bitterness. <laughs> so it's learning to distinguish that. And the only way we can do that is to self um, assess and be, and learn to be honest with ourselves too. That's a big one, being honest with ourselves. Why am I really angry about this? And how many of us are willing to do that? Well, you know, I think um, that's it. It's part of learning that that might be not everybody's path. <laughs> as hard as that is to comprehend, yeah. sometimes we have to let people go that, okay, you're not either you're not ready to accept what happened to you. You're not ready to let go of the anger and that's okay because each person has to find their own way and each person has to get to the door that says healing on it and then open it, but then you have to step through it. And when you step through it, you know, there's, there's, if you can imagine more doors. Okay. So how honest are you? Are you ready to go through this door? Are you ready to go through the next door? So it's all just a progression. And I think when, when a person, they have to be ready and being honest with yourself is one of those doors. I think something important too is what we're doing right now. Um, all of us have gone through our traumas and we've done some serious healing in our lives and being able to share that with others who maybe right. are just at the beginning of the process so that there they can know that, all right, yeah. it's difficult. It's going to be hell, yeah. but Absolutely. there is a light at the end of the tunnel and that there is right. some peace that you can find in the end. Mm -hmm. And then the key is, is to connect with people that you vibrate with, yeah, if you will, exactly. that they and their their story and who they are 
somehow impresses upon you enough that you're willing to have the courage right. and, to do and what you exactly. have to do. Everyone has something that will speak to them. But that's part of learning to listen to that. You know, to me, I define that as my spirit is speaking to me, but your gut feeling or your spidey sense or whatever term you want to give to that thing, that's following that, you know? <laughs> I like spidey sense. It's that, you know? Yeah, spidey listen sense. So when you, that's why we meet people and we immediately feel like we've known them. You know, there's, there's an affinity in what's happened to us. Mm -hmm. And obviously we feel comforted when we meet people like that, but there's also something else, you know, that I think to trust, you know, that if you meet somebody and you think, wow, I think this person can help me regardless of what their discipline is. And that also takes courage, you know, like, not everybody in your family is going to understand that a sound bath helps you. If you know what I mean, you know, like you have to be willing to do mm -hmm. what it makes sense to you, you know. Yeah, that's true. I know when, on my own journey, uh, the things that were recommended to me, I had to really pay attention. Some of the most commonsensical solutions or steps along the way right. really did not resonate with me. And I, I trusted myself enough to step away from oh, thank God. those situations and find a different path. And, and my particular, yeah, my particular path to healing was sure. probably very unconventional, exactly. but it worked for me. So that, that's the important thing. And, and the other thing I, I have noticed is that as you were saying, um, what motivated you to begin the healing process? Uh, I think we each have to find our reasons because we know in our hearts, it's not going to be easy. And there's going to be a period of time where it's maybe going to be more painful as you uncover things, but it, there has to be some motivating factor to make it worthwhile going through it. And you have to respect that some people We'll only go through the process part way and they'll say right. that's enough for me and yeah. that's I'm comfortable exactly. with this and that's okay. For me, I was um I was numb and I realized at some point yeah. I can't feel the full range of emotions. If somebody asks me if I'm happy yeah. or I'm sad, I I can't really tell you whether I am. I yeah. I don't feel a whole lot. And that's when I realized, unless I'm willing to feel the pain, then I'm right. also blocking myself right. up off from the well, joy. So we've got a couple minutes left in the interview. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to ask you, the name of our show is Shift Happens. Right. Now, you have written this book. And what is the title again? Mind Files. Yeah, Mind Files. Mind Files. Okay, so can you share with us and with the listeners what shifts happened in your life while you wrote the book and after it was all done? Um, I think for me, the majority of shifts happened before I wrote the book. Um, but what the biggest shift was letting go of the anger and learning that uh, to honestly take one day at a time and to live in the moment. Um, not that I'm not challenged anymore because of course you are. Everybody is always challenged, but it's knowing what to do with it. And it's being able to 
as all the Zen masters, you know, talk about looking at things objectively. And I can now do that. And I think um, that that was the biggest shift for me. So where years and years ago, it would take me sometimes two or three years to get past something. I move very quickly through it now. So if I face a particular challenge, instead Mm -hmm. of it taking a year, it might take me a month. So the, that was the biggest shift I think for me. Cool. And having the confidence to know you can tackle it instead of avoiding dealing with well, it for a long time because it, you, you're afraid to get I, started. I think for me, it was also to see that there's, there's a different way of looking at all of these things and to let go of the person, like to not take things so personally and to understand that this is just a situation mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily directed at me. So to be able to step away from that, it when you remove yourself from the situation, you face there's there's a lot less negative emotion, you know. So I I really am content a lot more, even though there are uncomfortable things happening. And do you feel that that's had a spinoff effect on? Your physical challenges? Well, so for the physical, I've had to learn to be a lot more patient with myself. And that's, um, that was and still is a big challenge for me because I was always pushed to, my dad really um, pushed me to keep going, keep going, don't give into it. And that's a pattern of behavior that for myself is really hard to, Um, reprogram. So uh, the physical challenges that I face are still kind of ongoing. I don't know. And I think it's acceptance of that, that uh, I, you know, that uh, to not fight so much, you know, let go of that physically. Yeah. Yeah. So now knowing everything that you've been through in the last 50 years, do you feel gratitude for the life and the circumstances that you were born into? I do. I do, actually. And, you know, I used to listen to people years ago. I would watch, you know, Wayne Dyer Mm -hmm. on public TV, you know, and I would think, oh, sure, you're grateful for all those people. (laughs) You know, I was so bitter back then. But honestly, today I can 1000% tell you I am grateful for every challenge I've had because it taught me everything I needed to know Mm -hmm. to face life and to become who I was authentically meant to be. And it shows you how strong you are at your core. Right. Well, but I'm not alone at my core, you see, because I know, right, that I'm, yeah, connected. Yeah. But thank you for that. (laughs) So where can people get your book? Um, so you can find Mindfiles is available online at Amazon, iTunes, Google Books, Kindle, Kobo, um, and Freezing Press Bookstore. And the price is under $100? <laughs> uh, it varies in price depending on which, um, where you get it from. Uh, I think 
the last time I checked on Amazon, it was around $28. Um, I do have books when I'm out in public. You can buy it directly from me and it's a little less expensive only because there's no shipping involved, but it's available digitally as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the links are on my website at www.mindfiles.ca. Fascinating story, Penny. And it's really heartwarming for me to know that there is a book out there that gives people step-by-step approaches to dealing with this and and hope that it's possible because there's not that many. Thanks, Penny. But thank you for being on the show. Okay, well, thank you. been listening to Shift Happens on Kootenai Co-op Radio with Jeff and Anna. And if you'd like to hear a re-air of this show, it plays again on Sundays from 11 till 1. Or you can listen to past shows on shifthappens.media. And you can always contact us at contact.shifthappens at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your comments or suggestions. Only if they're positive ones. Anyway, we're going to play one more track to end out the show for this week. We're going to play some Blue Rodeo. Bulletproof. And we'll see you next week. Oh, yeah. Yeah.